0: This Three Beards Media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky bourbon trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. Just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick them up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery stores. Follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter or Instagram at ReveltonDC or their website, www.ReveltonDistilling.com.
1: Three Beards Media Podcast may contain mature themes. And
2: if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it! I'd like to sample some of my nuts?
1: Hello, and welcome back to yet again another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media, brought to you by Revelton Distilling Company and Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage. Go ahead and see Kyle for all of your mortgage needs, and if he can't help you, you can go ahead and find uh, Revelton Distilling for all of all of your commiserate. <laughs> um, I am Tim Johnson, joined as always. Actually, I shouldn't even say as always. I've kind of been... Been uh, a little bit MIA here, but uh, I am joined by Chris Shipley.
2: Chris, how are we doing? Oh, it's so nice to have you back, Tim. It was tough having a co-host that was way better looking, smarter, and articulate than I am, so I'm glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is
1: that is uh, I've been holding fair. that one for that two That is weeks. absolutely fair yeah i know i know i could i could tell i could i could sense that uh no it's been uh i've had i've had uh I, boy any number of things going on um in in my personal life whether that be power outages or just the fact that i am powerless as a person um so i appreciate that that you guys were able to to cover that for me uh obviously uh like you said Smarter, better looking, more articulate, funnier, um, just e- easier to listen to than me. But uh, unfortunately, our listeners get me back. So again, we appreciate you guys hanging in there. Uh, Chris, what is what is new with you?
2: You know, uh, I, I don't want to keep it too long, but I'll just give this shout out. Uh, six months ago, my mom was uh, in the hospital. Uh, she was doing not so great wasn't sure she was going to live through a surgery and saturday afternoon she floated down the maquoketa river with all of us for four hours and partied it up and my mom might be the badassest woman i've ever met
1: that is fantastic news it's fantastic to hear also i think badassest is the very weirdest it's a word uh, uh. <laughs> it's a word. no i know yeah, no, I that's 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 a conjugation I've not heard, but I will go ahead and take that. Yeah, uh, no, that is really awesome Steph. news. You didn't
2: correct me one time. I already missed Steph, but uh-huh. she didn't correct me one time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she
1: she was in her head. Trust me. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I that's that's fantastic news. That that is really awesome. Um, it, it warms my heart to know that that she's been on the other side and that you get to spend time with her like that. Um, my daughter spent some time with, with my folks uh, about a week ago uh, for a week, and it was very much fun to walk into the house to go pick her up after that week and just hear her giggling and giggling and giggling and know that that uh, she was doing that because she thinks that my, my folks are the greatest because they are. So I, I very much appreciate that uh, you get an opportunity to to experience something like that with your mom. That's, that, that is amazing.
2: Thank you. It was awesome.
1: Well, I I tell you what, uh, listeners, uh, we'll go ahead and just let uh, Chris jump in right here and just go ahead. I don't really want to chit-chat anymore. Uh,
2: Chris, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest for this evening? Nobody's tuning in to talk to us. So uh, we are uh, extremely grateful. Uh, We uh, uh, reached out uh, and uh, worked out some logistics and some time and some schedules and uh, was able to get uh, uh, former WHO TV 13 political director, Managing editor, host, executive producer, all kinds of accolades. Dave Price, thanks for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Old Man Strength. Of
3: course. It took me a while to prepare for the show, so I'm now ready. I, I
2: was just gonna. I was just gonna say, there's an opening for for a fourth beard if you need if you need a a job. That's right. You've already, I your beards your beards are already better than Aaron's, so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, well, Dave,
1: yeah. We, we appreciate you coming on, on the pod. Um, why don't you go ahead and, I mean, Chris kind of gave you uh, his version of an intro, but why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I'm a Leo.
3: I like long walks on the beach at, at sunset. <laughs> um, red wine, not white. Um, uh grew up in St. Louis area, so a lifelong Cardinals fan. If you know your baseball, um, uh, you know who Whitey Herzog was longtime manager for the Cardinals. My late father's mother, my grandmother on dad's side, uh, babysat Whitey Herzog when he was little along with his brother. So when I got to meet Whitey at um, Principal Park uh, years ago, uh, I said, hey, uh, I'm not a a big uh, autograph guy, although I did bring a ball there. And I said, but for you, I'd really like to loved it i really wanted to meet you and i said hey my grandma used to babysit you and your and your brother back in new athens illinois and he's
2: like oh yeah who's your
3: who's your grandma and i said he's like oh my gosh i'm gonna have to tell mary lou which is his uh, his wife and mary lou grew up in that area too so uh so that's why born in a, a cardinal country and so a lifelong cardinal fan grew up in on the illinois side of the river in st louis Went to undergrad at Southern, you know, Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville uh, because of a girl um, who was a year younger <laughs> and dumped me. In the the way we're getting into that until the until the liquor starts flowing. Uh, worked in radio in St. Louis and then got my later got my master's at University of Missouri, Columbia, and then worked in Alabama for about a year and a half, and then started in Des Moines, two thousand one. Here I
2: am. Uh, that uh,
1: is, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. No, I was gonna say that that's that's quite the path that you've been in in the Des Moines area for for uh, quite a long time now.
3: Uh, more years in Iowa than anywhere else. So yeah, that uh, I realized at some point I transitioned from a they to a we when I talk about Iowa. And so since I've been <laughs> here, I figured I better start uh, becoming part of the we.
2: 2001, you've seen uh, quite a bit of, of different changes and, and, and so forth in the landscape of Iowa. For sure. Political sp- spectrum and things like that. Um, just a question that I, I has always uh, been in my mind, probably, I would say for the last five or six years. Um, so we'll kind of dive right into it here. The political cra- climate in this country has changed drastically in my Did you just say
3: crap? Was that a Ferronian yeah. slip? It was. Yes, it probably was.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's it's delved into crap exactly uh the climate's changed quite a bit um yeah. uh where do you think the change happened and, and what do you think led to 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 where we're at now it, it's obviously not just one event or one person yeah um or one uh, part of it. or one part of it right but right. Where, where do you think that that has just kind of gone off the rails oh uh,
3: i think maybe maybe a lot of factors um you know, social media, cable TV, um, the opinion media, if you will. I mean, there you can just, you know, the what so many people grew up with, with watching the evening news, reading the morning paper, that kind of thing years ago. Now you have all these alternative sources for your information. And, you know, you have some bad actors out there. You know, that doesn't help anything for sure. But even if you just look at the folks who are partisan, which is totally fine and they're, you know, they deserve to have their their piece of the media landscape. But if you only get your information from just one specific individual source, I think and I think a lot of people do tend to gravitate towards something that reflects what they maybe already think, then you're not getting all that information from all over the place. But I think really responding on social media. To me, that's been the biggest change because that's that instantaneous response, right? Like, you know, we we can all joke about, you know, how grandpa lost his filter, you know, and just said whatever was on his (laughs) mind. Right. Well, that's so so many people. Right. So, you know, you just blast that out, whether you've thought stuff through or not. Plus, you know, instead of you sitting alone in your apartment mad at something, now you put it out there and, you know, if it blows up, who knows, maybe a million people are going to see it that night. And I think in so many ways, politicians are probably almost rewarded for the most bombastic, controversial, I'm going to own you, I'm going to rip you, you're an idiot, you're whatever. And they take everything that's here and, you know, you have to take it to this level, yeah. Um. you know, to make it the most whatever, you know, he's the worst person ever. This is the dumbest idea, whatever everything is taken to that magnitude and then they're rewarded by it because you get a little clip goes viral you use that for fundraising and it's kind of a self-fulfilling thing and i think a lot of times legacy media will be attracted to those kind of sound bites and that's what you're gonna that's what you know you have a politician on your show and you do an hour-long deep dive into education how much of that are you going to see in the evening news versus Uh, You know, so and so is an idiot and is in the pocket of whatever, you know, throw out whatever cut down you want there. So I think I think they're rewarded for that kind of behavior financially and otherwise. And that's what's in right now. And it gets your base fired up, kicks off the other side and then boom, let's go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that point about, you know, living in an echo chamber, uh, it, it becomes that much more heightened when you have instantaneous feedback that says, oh, yeah, you're right, right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount where where if I know I want to go get patted on the back for my opinion, I I can go hop on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever and say my thing. And all of those people in that echo chamber are now going to say that I'm right instead of, hey, Tim, shut up. This is a Wendy's. Uh, like like some of those, <laughs> some of those those things that that happen right now. I think it just becomes um, uh, self perpetuating for sure. Mm-hmm. And
3: so you know where does it go? I don't know. I mean, there will be the politicians will do what the public demands. Now, mm-hmm. in most cases, you have you know two choices in a race, mm-hmm. so if they're both doing something you don't like and you're kind of a true swing voter, it goes back and forth, you're kind of screwed unless you're gonna write somebody in or maybe there's an alternative party candidate somewhere. But um, at some point you would assume that if it goes too far, then somebody will use that as an, uh, as an opportunity. You know, a candidate will embrace hey, "I'm not sleazy like the other guy is and kind of run that route and maybe there's a course correction but it's so, we've seen a long ways from that.
1: So, so what? Let me step back a second and talk a little bit more about you. What what got you interested so much in covering politics as a journalist?
3: Um, my dad, my dad was involved in politics at the local level. Um, he volunteered. He used to be a Democrat. Uh, worked at the union. Uh, he was a union guy, so he worked at the. I think once a month because we used to have one car back then, so we used to drop him off on Saturday mornings, and he'd work at the um, the union hall. And then uh, when Reagan was president, then he kind of switched and became one of those Reagan, Demo- uh, Reagan Democrats, and then eventually was a, a Republican the rest of his life. Uh, but I think I think he was always a guy. Who read the paper, watched the news all the time, and you know he was a. High school dropout, went back and uh, years later, got his GED and then his associate's degree. Um, Was always a super heavy news consumer. Really was not much into like cable news. He didn't, I don't really remember him watching cable. Uh, But man, he watched local news nonstop, especially when he was retired and especially when he was sick. You know, he'd be sitting on the couch, so he just, he would watch news and weather and sports all day long. I mean, he knew the Des Moines weather from St. Louis better than I did here, really. He probably planted that seed, but there was a guy. My last uh, at the end of undergrad, um, who was in it was a poli sci major, and he he really kind of kind of lured me in, and then working in radio in between, I covered some politics. But then once I was at Mizzou, I started to really like politics. And for me, it's like I'm a sports fan. I don't follow as much as I used to really. Baseball is kind of my my sport now and I don't watch a lot of other stuff because um, I work weekends for years, frankly. But um, I think sports and politics have some similarities with, you know, you got the wins and winners, losers. You have the strategy and I love strategy. I'm a strategy guy. So um, I probably care about a lot of crap in politics that people think they could care less about, but I'm always – fascinated
2: by strategy it's funny that you talk about your dad and 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 how you used to watch it with him and things like that there's a lot of similarities there uh with mine and my dad's relationship my dad was a high school dropout uh and he was a huge history buff would read anything he could about history um and there would be times we would have conversations and he would just blow me away with what he knew Mm -hmm. um and we would watch every 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 debate together and talk about the strategy and talk about who won or or who made this point or whatever, we would watch election results together. And uh, after he passed away, it was, it was sad not to, to be able to, to to do that with him, but um, kind of the same way, man, when he got older and he was retired, he was all in on watching the news. He would watch the news and CNN and Fox news. And uh, he was a lifelong Democrat for as long as I can remember Uh, except for I was thoroughly convinced that he voted for Reagan. He denied it to the day he died, but I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, uh, But uh, I remember um, there towards the end, uh, I walked in one day and he was watching Fox News. And I was like, Dad, why why are you watching this? And he's like, I got to keep up with what the enemy's saying. I mean, that was just his mentality. Mm -hmm. Instead of, to your point earlier, listening to some views of different views and so on. Now, again, at this point Fox news was a little different than what it is now. Um, But to be able to have an open mind and listen to other people's mm-hmm. opinions and not be so toxic towards it and be okay to disagree, mm-hmm. I think is what we're missing now today.
3: Uh Agreed. And it's just, a lot of it is kind of baffling to me. You know, it's like, especially if you're married, like, I, man, I don't know anybody who has a marriage where they get along 100% of the time. If they, I mean, maybe there's somebody out there, but man, I don't know what that couple is. And so I'm baffled by people, especially who are married, who have this kind of purity requirement for whatever their candidate may be, that they have to find somebody who is 100% what they want all the time. And they almost kind of, that's their guide star when it comes to politics, and you know, don't compromise on anything. don't Don't change your mind on anything. Don't really want to listen to the other side about anything. I I just I do not understand how those people make it through life at work or at home at <laughs> church. Office. I just I just can't imagine that. But there are people like that.
1: Well, so so that that leads me to think about two things. One is I've always been baffled by. Uh, single issue voters, because any given issue is never going to be uh, the thing that is affecting me at any given time. There are a billion different things affecting my life at a time. I like I can't, you know, whether that be um, anything from abortion rights to healthcare to anything. I all of the things I'm going through in my personal life right now are all over the map i can't imagine anchoring myself so much to to one issue that that's the only thing i'm ever going to vote on uh but then the other thing that it always makes me think about is the people who i feel like tie themselves so much to a candidate maybe because of a single issue or whatever that now all of a sudden whatever that candidate says is what they believe kind of like it's (laughs) the whole you know Mm-hmm. NASCAR advertising, I use Tide because my favorite driver drives the Tide car type of, like, blind loyalty. And uh, like neither of those makes sense, but it seems like both of those have become really prevalent. And I don't know if that's something that, that over your career, that you've seen a, a change in, or... What are your thoughts on that?
3: But I think if you think about the commercials that we see on TV in particular, and I suppose radio does it too, but maybe since i've spent more time in tv i think through that lens Mm -hmm. so much of what you see in a 30 second ad is emotion driven and it's Mm -hmm. easier to focus on that one issue that tim is terrible because he opposes blank or tim is awesome because he supports blank. you know whatever and you know usually it's not Tim is awesome. It's Tim is terrible because that's that's the kind of emotional um, fire that they do. You don't see you know most of the time it's not positive ads unless it's a super PAC running some ads at the beginning to kind of build somebody's name idea or um, uh, popularity. Well, if whatever Chris is, is
1: running the ads, then it's definitely going to be Tim is awful. So yeah. let's just be yeah, clear yeah. about that.
2: Yeah. And, <laughs> and I would and I would vote for an honest guy like Chris who. posted him. <laughs> So it's, so, you
3: know, it's simplicity, it's, it's so much easier to connect with you on just one issue that fires you up one way or the other. And so and there are those core issues that can really get you riled up like, I mean, you know, a 30 second ad on tax policy or something. It's just not something you're going to see unless it's, you know, the rich are screwing us all, you know, like if it's kind of a populism kind of ad or, um, you know, Joe Blow is taxing us all to death or something like that. But it's not going to be nuances of, you know, I think the tw- I think corporate rate uh, shouldn't be 21%. It should be 34%. But, you know, you're never going to see that. And so everything is just emotional driven. It's to, it's to piss you off. It's to get you all riled up. It's to get you fired up. And I think that's where a lot of this single issue stuff happens, not to mention through the primary process. That's how the you know, candidates of the same party can separate themselves, particularly, you know, on one, one core issue. So I think that's just driven a lot harder at us than it used to be.
2: So I'm curious in in, in the industry that you were in, the, the, the fine line that had to be played there between you as yourself as a political director, having no bias in your reporting and, and having to, to, to keep that, that, um, I don't want to say, you know, impression, but that's what it is. That's your job. Mm -hmm. And then, but one side of your industry is over here taking money to run these political ads that do slant the truth and slant uh, different uh, lies and and things like that. and, And some that are blatant and you as a guy sitting there trying to do your job. But then on the other hand, you're being attacked because the media is biased and so on. How do you navigate that?
3: Yeah, and I think that's probably gotten more difficult now. I would say, for me, you know, you have to acknowledge that everyone has bias. That's the way I look at it. You know, there are certain things that I know, like in my core, are hard to hard to cover. So, like, and some of this may sound a little silly, but like, you know, I mentioned my dad. My dad died of lung cancer. He smoked for sixty years, and I can't really think of an issue that where smoking really comes into play. Um, maybe some i don't know a four-year-old should smoke i don't even i just can't even think
2: of what well, I, when they passed the no smoking but casinos were still allowed, yeah. allowed to be smoking yeah casinos so, were a good still, example
3: yeah yeah because casinos had the money so they got themselves exempted and they they're still exempted somehow um so i have to think through like that one all right i gotta make sure i'm go- i'm not showing any bias there uh, my dad's best friend was killed by a drunk driver is there anything you know if i'm dealing with a candidate who has drunk driving history or something like that. I got to make sure that I'm not um, clouded in that way. Those are kind of extreme personal examples. But, you know, and we all have personal feelings about abortion, marriage, taxes, education, you know, whatever it is. Um, But, you know, my goal all along was to try to, you have to try to give voice to all sides and it's not always two sides, there could be multiple sides. So you have to keep that in mind and now, do I feel like I need to go out of my way to make sure the KKK is represented tonight on the news at six or something? No, I, I mean, at some point you have to draw a line and I suppose you're injecting your own personal views in that context. But our responsibility is to try to put as much out there as we can, um, vet it as much as you can, realizing that there is a human side to this. And when you start your day, you're collecting This much information and what's going to air that night in the story is going to be this much here and this much here and this much here. And so you are serving as the gatekeeper. So you have to try to figure out what you think the most relevant portions of interviews or the day's developments or whatever are and to try to put it out in a way that that people can understand in the time that they're given to consume it. But the toxic side of this has changed so much the last Five or six years in particular, I would say, where you have this just people blasting the messenger for things if they disagree with what your own personal feeling is. That's been the biggest change in this. And, and I try to push back at people, you know, when they would say, uh, especially when we had the insider show on Sundays, you know, I'd have Kim Reynolds on or whatever. And if I ask a hard question, it's because I'm a Democrat. And if I don't scream at her during the interview, then I'm a Republican. And I've had people complain, like, especially the governor, because, you know, as the governor, we would try to interview her frequently or whenever we could. And I mean, yeah, sometimes we laugh. That doesn't that doesn't mean I'm biased. But, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't laugh with a politician because it means, you know, you're. You're in the bag for that person, or whatever. You know, there can be no human side to this with some people. And some people just truly hate the other party. So, Kim Reynolds, you know, for the Republicans, Democrats couldn't stand it. If it was Cindy Axney or whatever it was for the Democrats, it was the same way. And so, there's this like almost visceral hatred that comes out sometimes. And that, there's no doubt that stuff is hard. When people are coming at you like on a personal level, and accusing me of all kinds of stuff and saying they know where you live and know about your family and all kinds of, I mean, it, man, there's, you know, and you saw the meteorologist over at KCCI just left yeah. and I don't, I'm not, um, I'm not friends with him. So I don't really know much of the background other than what's been told to me and what's been reported. And, you know, he dealt with a lot of crap because he talked about climate change and there are people who don't believe in that or don't want to hear about it. And so he had threats and I think there was a guy busted for it. And, um, I mean it. It definitely gets ugly
1: for sure. I mean, I think one of the things that scares me the most is is just the outright vilification of the press. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I will show a clear bias here. The way that former President Trump talked about the press, using things like the German Luganprisa and things like that, like it, it really heightened a thing to where it delegitimized. For frankly, a party that loves to say they're strict constitutionalists, they sure don't seem to understand the First Amendment. Um, I, but it, it seemed like there was an absolute vilification that no matter if you were, you know, siding with this candidate or that candidate, where it just became trying to sow seeds of doubt that anything journalists talk about has any legitimacy whatsoever. And I think that to me is where it becomes really dangerous because we've we've seen so much uh very obviously false misinformation intentionally misleading uh misinformation like it's become a you know you think of these roger stone types of people who brag about putting misinformation in the world that are proud that they're that they're 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 trying to take down the press and things like that I, i don't know how for someone like you how you even how, uh, can look at that and feel like you have a choice that you can make on how to report on anything at some point.
3: Uh, man, Donald Trump's a challenge, that's for sure. Um, the enemy of the people that he does, I mean, that's brutal. And that single—that singularly, uh, since his emergence, Um, I have never experienced that kind of stuff since he emerged on the scene, essentially, in 2015. Um, You know, that's part of his shtick, part of his political entertainment, whatever it is, but obviously it has real-life consequences. And so because of that, you know, you get threatened, you get called names, and people scream at us, and enemy the people, and all kinds of crap like that. And yes, if the purpose is to so distrust so that no matter what you hear in the in the legacy media, you just say, oh, they're biased, whatever. Yeah. And as I always say, everybody is biased, literally every single person on the face of the earth. We all have our biases. Obviously, I also believe very strongly in a free press that we could go on for hours with critiques about the media. But I also don't think that it does anybody any good to lop the media into, it's not just one, everything is the media. You're the media like this, yeah. Tucker yeah. Carlson, right. Rachel Maddow, the Des Moines Register, um, the Cedar Rapids Gazette, WHO Radio, whatever it is, they're all the media, there are a gazillion different kinds. And where it gets more confusing now is there's so many more kinds. I have no doubt there are people who work for traditional media organizations who demonstrate discernible bias in their work. Of course they do. Because some people are better at hiding it and holding it back and overcoming it than others. But that that's not an indictment on every single person who works in journalism. And journalism is different than the media too. I mean, a journalist is not a yeah. talk show. Yes. I mean, there are different purposes, there are different meanings, different intents. So yeah, I mean, that stuff is incredibly harmful to us as a society, because we have a chunk of people, too many people, if if they think they can just blow all of that off, and whoever their Facebook source is or their whatever source, some wacky website, because it says something that they're like, oh yeah, okay, um, look at all the stuff about COVID they got out there that we're we're having chips implanted into us and all kinds of stuff no question big picture there was stuff right about COVID. there was stuff wrong about COVID. some decisions were right some decisions were wrong and we'll probably debate those for years and wherever the heck the origin is and how it came out why it came out all that stuff but obviously there are just wackadoodle stuff that have come out too um you know who uh some people are coming back from the dead or they never were dead and i mean it's some of it's bonkers, but you have, you have people because of the way they receive the information. They think that's true.
1: Well, right. well, J, yeah. well, JFK will be announcing that JFK Jr. will yes. be announcing that he is running, uh, for vice president very yeah. soon. Um, and, and also mm-hmm. I, I just learned today that there are two women that came back from uh-huh. Turkey, uh, uh, without any kidneys, after next <laughs> so I know
2: that that is absolutely true. Def- um And clearly, think- my Wi-Fi and my chip and my COVID <laughs> works much better than Tim's <laughs> yeah, um,
1: I, but I, I think I think one of the the questions I I have for you as as you think about um the fact that they're that yes, it's been trying to to delegitimate delegitimize uh the legacy press. I think some of those things have not done uh, themselves any favors by large corporations taking over and downsizing and, and local media has, has by and large gotten gutted compared to what it used to be in the role that it had to play. Uh, and I, I, But I, I think uh, when you look at all of these other kind of sources, what role can you play in helping to reform the narrative or change the narrative or or maybe maybe you can't maybe that's maybe that's where you find yourself at right now where you don't know what else you can do to help recenter people on you know just getting facts reported
3: uh, that is a window into my soul right now actually um <laughs> that is that is very much um what i'm doing so on my my, what's next will most likely for the short term be a combination of a couple of pieces, most likely. Uh, one of them I started writing a column a couple of weeks ago, which is something I wanted to do for a while. Uh, there's this group called, which I did something with them today, which is why I had their, uh, their shirt on today. Um, it's called the Iowa Writers Collaborative. And it's a group of independent writers that all works independently. They all work on their own uh, on the Substack platform, but this collaborative is kind of a unifier and then helps helps support and helps promote all the individuals as a group. And so it was formed uh, and I'm not one of the organizers, so I'm, I'm going to speak a little out of turn. But the way it was explained to me, it was formed, you know, kind of during covid, you know, people all shut down and all that stuff. But then kind of big picture looking at what's happened to the media landscape, newspapers disappearing. Other entities being downsized, not locally owned, all those kind of things, and what what can be done in our state to make sure that important issues are covered and are spotlighted and information shared, all those kind of things. And so I signed on as a columnist. So I've been doing it three, four weeks. And so this is a wordy way to answer your question, but that is going to be one small piece mm-hmm. of what I want to do. So. I want to dig into things kind of one thing at a time Mm -hmm. in the sense. And so I'm not doing, you know, a million things at once, which that's kind of the fun part about being a reporter is that you learn uh, a little about a lot of things most days until you can get into a specialized thing. I was fortunate that I was specialized, uh, been able to specialize in politics here through different managers, different ownership groups, all those kind of things. And primarily that's what I got to do while I was here um, in, in local TV. Now, sometimes I still have to go cover a car wreck or a burning building or a double murder or something. Um, but for the most part, I got to prioritize politics, which was awesome. And we've gotten to experience all kinds of things. But even that can be, you know, so much. So the substack I can kind of drill in on one thing and some of the different projects that people have talked to me about are similar in that way, because I want to look at it like, you know, as I look into a mirror and realize that this part here is a different <laughs> color than what it looked like when I was 25 in grad school at zoo zoo. Um, uh, you know, it's a reminder to me that I've been here for a while and uh if my seven year old daughter weren't so freaking cute and persuasive, I probably would have shaved
2: it by now. <laughs> uh, but I think it, you should keep it, Dave. I mean it, it 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 makes the man. I don't. Or covers I just say it. it <laughs> but not it, a
3: man. It,
1: it, it suits you, yeah. It suits you. It works well.
3: Um yeah, it's just man, this really gets at the ego here. You, you got to get it a little <laughs> bit past that, Dave. You get a little bit past that, and you're good to go. Uh, yeah, uh, yours is longer, Chris, and my daughter would totally love you. That's what she wants. No offense to you, Tim.
1: But oh no, I I I have. I, you know. I, I I have, I have very frequently had a very long beard. I've actually only recently been trimming it back up short to be. Uh, so more. she loves
3: that. So she's the reason I have yeah. it. Um, yeah. what, where are we going with this, my gosh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, 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 Your
2: what's next.
3: Yeah, my what's next. So as I talk to different, you know, different people have approached me about different ideas. And I'm trying to be very intentional with each thing we either agree to or not agree to, to look at. And, you know, at some point, as I sit here in my home, you know, we've got a mortgage to pay for. So it's not like I can have a a year long vacation and do nothing. Um, But I'm trying to everything I do, I kind of want to be intentional and deeper about some stuff. If I have a way to come to combine using my experience in journalism, covering politics, I like public policy and I have watched my wife just explode this nonprofit where she works in maternal health. It's a nonprofit called healthy birthday. And, um, it's about tracking babies' movements in the third trimester, uh, which is how we knew we, um, our son, uh, old, older of our two kids, uh, how he was in distress when he was only about 21, 22 weeks along. So we have a personal connection to it. Um, but to watch how Emily has exploded that I also know that nonprofits are a big part of, of solutions, honestly. Mm. Um, so I'm looking at a variety of different things about how to best focus and use the experience I've had here to kind of dig into some stuff um, and some stuff that I maybe couldn't really get into before because of the realities of you know doing daily daily TV. Um, and you know, you know, honestly, like something like this. I mean, the new media world, man, it's it. While we can go crazy about all these buffoons who are on here saying ridiculous stuff that's not true and that are you know intentionally telling people stuff that's not correct and how much harm that does there are so many other really well-intentioned people who can get together who can find their niche whatever it is and can dig into an issue you know it can be deep stuff it can be entertainment it can be sports uh, it can be beer as you, you know it can be anything and I, I'm fascinated by the new media world. And for as much as people dog it, I really think new media technology will, will be what can drive us forward.
2: Well, I think that um, Sean Roberts, who uh, is on the radio KXNO was at our, we had a live episode event down in um, Osceola. And at the time, Three Beards Media probably wasn't, it wasn't even a thing And it was just Tim and I's little podcast that we were doing. And he was doing one with with our friend Aaron uh, called Bitter Units. And and Sean said something in between a break. Uh, I I had said to him, I said, man, I always would love to just be able to be on the radio and do a cyclone reaction show like that would be my dream just to do a call in show. And he's like, Mm -hmm. Chris, you have that ability now. Nothing's stopping you from being able to do that. Uh and as the the months went on, and Tim and I and Aaron started to talk about why can't we do something on our own? And this show here that we're on has evolved from Tim and I getting on here and just talking about being dads and 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 our families to interviewing interesting people and helping people learn more about them that doesn't necessarily know about them, right? So our next section that we're gonna talk about, I would love to talk more about you growing up in St. Louis and your dad and things like that. So It it certainly is not something I ever thought that we would ever be able to do uh, when we connected on Twitter one day and said, hey, let's do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And, you know,
3: when you're talking about dads like that's that's just another great example of it. Right. Because that's not something you're going to see in the 10 o'clock news. But. I mean, is there anything more frightening than being a dad?
2: <laughs> I mean, seriously, being a dad of being a dad of a teenage girl. Yeah, we're not there yet, fortunately.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I was literally warned by a friend uh, this weekend about uh, you know my my daughter is eight, and so and I, we're not there yet. But but she was going through some things, and it was like. Oh no, Tim, just just be ready. Yep. I'm like, oh no, I will okay. never be ready. Yep. I will I will never be ready. I don't know how to be ready. Like I wanna be. Like I'm not trying to say that I, I'm not going to address things or have conversations, but that doesn't mean I have any clue what the F I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm and you not just gonna think be ready. about all the
3: stuff that's freaked you out in life, you know, high school, there was some stupid test, or you know, you're right. an uncoordinated kid in PE and you didn't know how you were ever gonna get through. All this stupid stuff, couldn't find a prom day, whatever the heck stressed you out. Then you get married and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. What, whatever is coming up, you know, whatever. I just don't know that the, other than maybe like health, I don't know what could be, could just put you to wit's end more than parenting. You know, when the baby's crying, your first kid, and you're like, man, what in the hell is happening? Like, we've tried everything here. And then you find out, oh, it's because, you know, he's teething. Did you realize?
2: The <laughs> right. you're, right. you're like, oh yeah, of course. But I feel like, I mean, guys suck, right? We're terrible communicators. <laughs> when
3: you ever open up to your buddy where you're like, holy crap, man, we had a kid. I'm over my head. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like this can be a, this can be a thing where guys get, get yes, together, parents get together, right? Like I do, I tell my wife, every, every guy especially, but every parent, I'm always hoping that in a conversation with them, there's some little nugget that I'm going to get out of there that's going to make life better here, that we're going to see something happening. Like you're talking about the teenage years. My son turns 13 next week. So, you know, you're going to have all the hormonal stuff and all that crap we're going to have to deal with. And then my daughter's seven, seven and a half. So she'll be going through that stuff years later too. And it's like any little nugget I can get to try to make this journey easier, I'm going to get. So you do your two dads podcast and I'm right there.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the, the absolute best advice I can give you of being a dad to a girl is when they come to you and they have a problem or they're complaining about something. And as a man, your initial reaction is what? Solve it. Solve it. That does not. That's not what they want. Exactly. They just want you to just shut up and let them com- complain and moan about it. Whereas I got 17 other things I could be doing. Let me just solve this so I can move on to the next mm-hmm. thing. And I, it took me quite a few years to learn that uh, from Caitlin before she finally said, uh, you need to seriously just shut up and just let me vent for 10 minutes and then we can move on. Man, you know,
1: I've been trying forever to get you to just shut up. I can't believe that's all that that. Uh, takes.
2: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs>
1: Well, Dave, why don't we go ahead and and uh take a a quick break here? We want to go ahead and make sure our sponsors get some, some words in here. Yeah. Um uh we, we got a few more things we kind of want to cover, but as Chris alluded to, uh we wanna make sure that we get a little bit more into a little bit of who you are and and uh and what made you you, I guess. So uh with that in mind, we'll go ahead and grab a word
0: from our sponsor. At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the tailors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the Farm to Flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer.
1: So, Dave, uh, before that little break... Chris was talking a little little bit about how he wanted to learn a little bit more about, uh, you know, you you talked a bit about uh, getting a a political bent from your dad. Um, But that can, that can't be the only thing that maybe shaped you into like, what made you want to be a journalist?
3: I, that I wanted to do that forever. I think probably when I was little, I I dreamed about playing shortstop for the Cardinals. Uh, (laughs) uh, My dad actually did not let me play baseball as a kid. Um, He was convinced that coaches would not watch out for kids. It hurt my arm. So he wanted me to wait till high school. And by then it was way too late. I was so small anyway when I started high school. I was just a little runt. And so I clearly, I was so behind on things, there was no way that was ever going to happen anyway. But I have, man, when I was in grade school, my best friend Mark and I would do pretend newscasts into a tape recorder. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to do it way back then.
1: You, know, you, were, you, were, you were the original podcaster.
3: I was. <laughs> <laughs> Two nerdy kids in grade school who were looking for an outlet so that uh, all of their little nerdy tendencies could actually be rewarded with something that made sense. But I think, man, going back way, way, way back then, I think it's just something I always knew I wanted to do. And we really did have news on all it. My dad and mom did, too. Um, we'd have the local news on in the evening and that everything kind of revolved around, you know, if it's five o'clock, the news is on, then five thirty national news, six o'clock local again, and then 10 o'clock news and then bed. But that's, I watched news from when I was little, we always got the local paper, the radio AM radio was on in the morning. So uh, I think I was just always surrounded with it. Were
1: there, were there, people that you looked up to or people you wanted to emulate or anything like that when it came to that growing up? When
3: I was really young, um, I listened to Jack Buck on the radio doing the Cardinals games. And so I did want to be a sports guy for a while Uh, after the Cardinals. You know, I think I was smart enough as a kid to know I was never going to be a Cardinal. Uh, So then I wanted to be a sports guy and I, I was all, I probably wanted that all through high school and then, in college there was a paid job available at the at the campus radio station to work in news and the news director had heard me on the air as a dj said hey have you <laughs> of news and then that really that was kind of the transition to news and so really just stuck with it stuck with it after that and you know as far as who i who I looked up to, who was probably the main anchors in St. Louis, that I, who I used to watch.
2: So your dad, I assumed you watched a lot of Cardinals games with your dad.
3: Uh, we didn't go to a lot. We didn't really have any money, so we didn't. Uh, I used to get tickets every year. They had um, this deal with the schools and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch newspaper. And if you got straight A's, you could get two free tickets every year. And so that's usually when we win. So I would get two free tickets and then dad and I would go. And I think I I don't know if I ever went with my mom. Um, But we did, I think, a a few times over the years as a family. But primarily it was just, oh, yeah, that's what I I took mine. And then my brother had his two tickets. So I think that's how the four of us would go. And then once my other brother and sister came along, we had too many of us to all go. But um, we would go maybe to one or two a year, probably.
2: What's your best memory with your dad?
3: uh dang you're gonna get too deep on me um (laughs) probably holding my son that was pretty cool
2: yeah is your dad still with us he is not yeah my dad passed away uh 11 years ago last last monday so might be the reason why i'm asking questions like that but
3: yeah mine was (laughs) nine years ago in april
1: I do like that idea, though, of holding your son I, I, I. some of the We live in a different world now Like, you know, I go to my parents' house And they've got boxes full of photographs And I don't have boxes full of photographs Because that's not a thing people do anymore But I've right. got, you know I've got a Dropbox full of pictures and all of this stuff And and I've got a lot of pictures yeah. that are completely worthless And I need to go through and I need to delete them And I, you know, whatever yeah. But the ones that I treasure very much are, like, watching uh, my daughter sitting on my on my dad's lap. Um, mm-hmm. watch, when I went down to, to to see my folks, when my daughter had spent a week with them, and seeing my dad and my daughter making each other laugh the entire time, those types of things are really just kind of uh, a whole. It, it gives a whole different appreciation, I think, for for your parents when you see the way. Because one thing that they're your parents, it's another thing to see the way they are with your kids and and it just makes it a, a whole n- another depth i think
3: yeah and there you know and i always laughed with it because like i watched my dad screw around with my son and now my son's only going to be 13 so he didn't get very many years with my dad In the last two years my dad was sick but um you know he would goof around with him and stuff and then like with my mom i was joking with her because uh this was probably two or three years ago so we stayed down at mom's house and you know we have a have a daughter so it's the four of us going down there my wife and the two kids and you know mom makes dinner like she always did so when we go to when we go to my mom's house we almost always have homemade dinner because that's how it always was growing up mom always cooked and it's still that way she loves having all of us kids um back and um she realized that, you know, she makes this big dinner and my siblings are there with their families and all this stuff. So you're all packed into this house and she, it's, it's like quarter to nine and she's like, "Ah, I forgot to get the dessert out. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> it's brownies. And so, and so she's, my daughter's name is Lila. Lila, come out here. Let's get dessert, you know, whatever. I'm like, mom, Lila's about to go to bed. We can't give her brownies. And my daughter's kind of like my wife, like um, chocolate for summer, the caffeine and chocolate or something, I don't know, late at night kind of yep. screws them up. So after about 6.30, my daughter can't really have chocolate or it just totally screws her up. And I'm asking my mom, I'm like, can you name one time growing up that 10 minutes before bedtime you gave us brownies? <laughs>
1: yeah, and she's exactly. Like,
3: she's like, no, but I'm not putting Lila to bed. You are. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm noticing that there are a lot more lot different rules for grandma versus mom and likely, you know, grandpa versus dad. So I think that's one of the coolest things about being parents is seeing your own kids being with your parents and just seeing that bond. And, yeah, you know, it's like impossible not to look at that to be like, man, mom would never let me do that. Or dad would never put up with that. And like when my dad was watching TV, we had to be so quiet and we had, we had a <laughs> small little house and four kids. And so you'd have to go on the other room. We didn't have like a, I mean, it was a small three bedroom ranch and there's no like entertainment room to go into. There's no basement to go into. Like you had to go into your bedroom that you shared with your sibling Like, and it's so that dad could hear the news or whatever he was watching, right? You couldn't be screwing around making all kinds of noise. And like, you go there now, the grandkids are running around and crazy (laughs) and all this stuff. And it's like, there's no way you would have put up with that.
2: On a nightly basis. Absolutely.
1: On a nightly basis. My, my 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 folks have nine uh grandchildren and when you go over to their house, because I'm the, you know, I live in, in Minneapolis and my sisters live very close to my, my my parents. So when I get to see all of them together, I'm the one staying overnight. So when they all leave and the house just feels insanely quiet, and I'm very relaxed, and they have a very different like they're almost sad that it's that quiet. Like <laughs> that's never anything that you would have put up with before. But okay. I also appreciate I also appreciate uh, what you said about just like the way that they use food as a as an expression of love. Uh, (laughs) When I was when I was down the other weekend, um, it was for dinner. It was just going to be me, my eight year old daughter. I think think maybe a niece or two was going to be over in my parents. Uh, and that's it. And they had they had gotten like six six ounce burgers and six four ounce bratwurst and like 20 ears of sweet corn. And I was like, I'm not nobody here is, is like preparing for their junior year of wrestling. I don't understand who you think you're feeding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like oh no you think your daughter isn't going to want both a hot dog and a bratwurst I'm like that's 10 ounces of meat <laughs> no
2: <laughs> one of the best lines my dad told me once uh my oldest was just out of out of control and I had kind of yelled at her a little bit and you know and my dad goes hey 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 don't don't you yell at that little girl and I was like what fucking house are we in? <laughs> you yelled at me every day of my life. And he goes, and, and that was wrong. <laughs> Shut up. Come on. Also, my daughter would not come home from my grandparents one time and she was hiding in the living room behind the couch because she didn't want to go home with me. And she said, I just want to live at Nana's house for the rest of my life. And I was like, listen, that's not the deal you want to sign up for. Yeah. <laughs> this whole thing's a facade. It's not real. <laughs> Get your ass in the car. We got to go home. Uh, so it's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Tim, uh, why don't we do uh Kyle Lehman's trust mortgage uh, question. Then we can see if we can wrap up. How's that? Yeah, no, and, that, you know, that sounds perfect. Uh, our, our sponsor Rob uh, Taylor is actually watching. He just texted me, uh, said that Dave and him are pretty good friends. So, uh, and uh, Dave, he asked me for you to stay on the line after we're done because I need to ask you a question. So, oh okay, stick around uh, after that. So, uh, Kyle Wintrust is our other sponsor. Uh, he sponsors the Wintrust Mortgage Question of the Pod. So, uh, I'm going to ask you a question, Dave. Uh, then we're going to hear an ad from from Kyle that'll give you about 40 seconds to think of an answer. And then we'll, we'll come back to your answer. So <laughs> uh, a lot of pressure. Kyle Wintrust, mortgage question of the day is uh, you have a magic time machine uh, that you can go back 10 years and talk to Dave Price from 2013. What piece of advice are you going to give him? So let's hear an ad from uh, Kyle and then we'll come back with your answer, Dave. Okay.
0: Are you in the market for a new house and unshare of the mortgage process? Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from Trust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle dash Lehman or call him at 515-473-0546.
2: And we're back. So, Dave, I asked you the question before uh, Kyle's uh, message. You have a magic time machine. You can go back and talk to Dave Price in 2013. What piece of advice are you going to give him?
3: i think it would involve patience with kids and with raising young kids um there i just feel like there are times when you know you're about to lose your mind because the baby's been crying all night or whatever it is or they're going through some stage and when you talk to older parents who have gone through all of this they can be like
2: oh yeah
3: like i remember with our son (laughs) He he was like 11 months old before he slept through the night, you know, and by that point, you're just feeling completely worthless. And especially as the dad, I'm totally worthless because I'm not I have nothing to feed the kid, you know. (laughs) Um, So 11 months, he finally starts sleeping through the night and then like a year and a half, a little bit after that, he regresses. And then so after sleeping through the night, you know, it's back to the craziness again, you are like, oh, my gosh. But of course, you know, if you actually take the time and talk to people about what's going on, you find out it's not. You know, your kid is not the only one in the history of the world who's done this, and I just feel like there's so much that if you can just pause for a second in the heat of the moment and get some perspective about it, um, that will that will save you some mistakes, and that's probably what I would tell
2: myself. It's good advice. I like for that. Sure. I-
1: I, I i tend to with my friends um uh actually try to make sure they feel like they are the only parent going through that and that they're doing something wrong i fi- i feel like that just keeps them on their toes because then I can always feel like the superior parent uh, <laughs> it's it's not a, it's not healthy for any children whatsoever but it makes me feel good about myself so that's that tends to be what I do nice I really appreciate that Oh, no, go ahead, Chris.
2: That's right. On the flip side, as they get older and they're like 18 and still living in your house and won't go to bed and are staying up all night and you wake up the next morning and half your refrigerator is eaten, you're 100% justified in yelling at them. Yes. 100%. (laughs) Talking to you, Joshua and Jordan. Or at least that's what oh, I'm going to tell my therapist on Friday. That's all right, <laughs> Dave. I'll ask you one well, question. I... Um, sorry, Tim. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, oh, good. I, I, I think I want to ask you one more question from the previous segment. Um, just because uh, I, and and I don't want to dive too much into politics. I just want to dive more into history. 2020, we saw uh, COVID we saw the George flag, um, tragedy. We dealt with an uh, with an election with record turnouts. And then, um, the, you know, the, the election lies and the big lie and things like that. Would you say that's the biggest news year that you have probably covered as far as major storylines that all intertwined into one, just complete mess?
3: Uh, I, I would agree. I think that, that period, however long that is altogether, for really that two-year stretch or whatever the heck that was, um, it just was so intense, so nonstop. That yes, I think so, and so impactful because all of those things impacted so many people in our country, both short-term and longer-term. So I think, without a doubt, that's been the the biggest period of my entire career.
1: I, it certainly feels like the longest when I think about everything that happened in 2020. Uh, you know, particularly leaving up here in, in, in Minneapolis, uh, 2020 felt like it was about three years long, and it felt like it was just every single day something th- thrown at you. Uh, and now it's gotten to the point when I try to think like it really was like 2019 to 2022, uh, you know. It, the the January 6th stuff that came up that wasn't twenty twenty right like there was there was this whole other extension of all that stuff but we all kind of lump it into this Mm -hmm. era and it really makes me wonder why how historians are going to write about this time period because we we know that you know the saying is history is written by the winners and you know things like that but you think about uh for to tie it back to what we were talking about earlier is that you guys as journalists are trying to be the voice of the time that the historians will likely use your words to help explain what happened at the time and if we're if we're discrediting the voices of the time how does history write about these types of things i right. and so it just seems like there's so many narratives so i guess my question out of all of that is is how do you think History will look at that at 2020.
3: Uh, Probably is a mess. I mean, I think it will, you know, maybe it'll be similar to what the country endured in the 60s and some other periods of time, World War II, maybe. You know, I mean, they're significant for different reasons. But I mean, they, I mean, January 6th, you know, tested our country and in ways that are hard to come up with parallels and you know obviously you have you still have some people who it seems in their core think that the attackers were justified mm-hmm. and they think that they're fighting for the future of the country and you know it's and it's challenging to deal with people <laughs> who believe like that and um, you know, I had I've had coworkers who think I'm nuts for engaging with certain people, and I'm not. I'm not big for. I don't do. I don't like doing Twitter wars or Facebook wars or whatever, going back and forth with people and all that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes on email, you know, the it lends itself to a little more thought in that with it. And I will go back and forth with people on things, and sometimes it does you know you i think sometimes the other person can understand you better and maybe you can find some kind of common ground and truthfully there's sometimes who people will say things to me that you know because of a tweet or a line in a story i had or something like that i didn't intend it to come just you know uh, sound a certain way and but somebody took it that way and so you know i have to take that into consideration sometimes you go back and you know kind of change things um, I'm hoping with all of this stuff, you know, these maybe it's one on one conversations with people that we're gonna slowly work our way through this. You know, look at all the story, all the conspiracies that were out there that Donald Trump was going to take over the White House again on April, whatever the heck it was, and then on this and on this mm-hmm. and on this. And you you already mentioned JFK coming back. Um I mean, certain things like that, you would assume that at some point, some of the people at least are going to be like, "Okay, maybe this stuff's all crazy. Like this didn't happen. This didn't happen. This didn't happen. So maybe what I'm hearing is just a bunch of crap. And so I'm hoping that on some of this stuff or that, you know, we're not all injected with whatever from the COVID vaccine or whatever. I mean, if you don't get a COVID vaccine, that's your choice. But, you know, I mean. So some of the other stuff that came out, you know, that we were being injected with, stuff, you know, hopefully one on one conversations with people. That's how we're going to plot our way through this, because that's the only way that's the only way that I could have any kind of optimism because the disinformation. Well, just as the- long
1: as we all. Yeah, yeah. just as long as we can all agree that QAnon is real. Uh, <laughs> we do believe that I think we're going to be uh, uh, OK. Yeah. Um,
3: That is one way to
2: live your life. No. Uh,
1: Well, Dave, I I really appreciate you being here, Uh, Lennon, your insight. uh, Just also just being a little bit open about uh, who you are and uh, um what made you who you are uh i guess i'm gonna leave you with one final question uh because you gave advice to yourself but you know if if you is is there one nugget or one piece of go-to advice that you feel like you use when giving someone else uh the the dave price wisdom
3: uh firm but fair that's what uh i was uh, very fortunate to uh, be able to hang out a little bit with Tim Russert. He used to be the longtime moderator for Meet the Press. Uh, a couple of different times they did Meet the Press out at uh, the at Channel 13 in Des Moines. Uh, so I would see him at that or if he came into in town for some big event or whatever. So I got to hang out a little bit with him. And that was really his mantra to me that I picked up was firm but fair, which was really what I've what I've tried to do. I really um, got more comfortable being myself more with politicians, with interviewees and such, because I watched what he was like both on camera and off camera. And I realized that it's okay to just be yourself. And and I watched the way he talked to these politicians during the commercial breaks. And as silly as it sounds, it was kind of eye opening because you're like, man, this guy is just a good dude and you know what you and i thought he was that way on the air to begin with but man seeing the way he was during the commercial breaks where you know talking about their families or their sports teams or their kids you know whatever it was um the weather it just didn't matter like he was just he put his guests at ease i think like that too but it was just made the conversation and the whole experience real and so that's what i've um i think i probably try to do that in you know, the aspects of life that I can, the firm but fair um, and try to be authentic in everything we do. And right now, I suppose that means growing an old man beard.
1: Oh. No, ab- absolutely. We're, we're, we're very happy to see it. It, it, it suits you.
2: We'll
3: find out if I can make it through July with it.
2: <laughs> you can do it. Dave, <laughs> as usual, Tim likes to skip this last part which is uh, Steph Copley, who is also on uh, your subsack uh, in Wright's column on there. Uh, she's uh, been a contributor here. And uh, on her uh, episode, she told Tim to shut the fuck up because Tim wouldn't stop talking. And, uh, yep, and that's, so that, that's it, how that went down. It's exactly how it went down. She even confirmed it last episode. <laughs> she literally said the opposite. <laughs> uh that's not how i remember it
1: (laughs) oh i know i know that's how a lot of this goes anyways um good lord okay anyway
2: anyways uh we have a segment here where uh we kind of do it a partial donation to the young women's resource center here in des moines in honor of steph so we'll play an ad show a qr code if people are watching scan and go donate to them and then when we come back we will shut up and you get to say whatever you want without us interrupting whatsoever. So it's current Blasch, you can say whatever you want. Okay.
0: Hey everybody, it's Steph Copley, the woman behind the STFU segment on the Old Man Strength Podcast. When I told the guys I wanted to sponsor this segment, they recommended that I make a charitable donation instead. So that's what I did. I chose the Young Women's Resource Center in Des Moines, Iowa. They're a nonprofit that supports, educates, and advocates for girls and young women ages 10 to 24. Their whole goal is to make sure that these young women become strong, self-confident, and successful. And if you know me at all, you know that aligns with my goals as well. If you're interested and would like to donate, check them out at ywrc.com. Org and donate today. And remember, don't forget to STFU and listen every once in a while. Thanks.
2: All right, Dave, floor is yours.
3: Uh, all I would say is thank you guys because I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, I, I think my appeal to everybody would be in light of the things we talked about. If, if you, whoever you think is out there in the media landscape, doing, doing it the right way in your mind, do what you can to support that person. I think as you mentioned earlier, you know, we have giant companies are owning a lot of uh, big bigger and bigger chunks of the media landscape. And so people are looking for other ways to do independent, do their own thing, whatever, be part of other things. Support those people. Like go out of your way to support those people. Encourage advertisers to support them so that these people can make can make a living and can make an impact. There are a lot of people out there brainstorming about things. And obviously I'm selfish about this because I'm one of them brainstorming these things. But if you have somebody out there you respect and you think can do things the right way and you want to see more of it, try to go out of your way to support that person and to share what that person is doing with other people so they can also try to support those people. Because I really do think that's how we're going to get at some of the bigger issues facing our communities. We can get a lot more storytelling out there a lot more fact finding a lot more conversation we can do things in unique ways whether it's new technology whether it's legacy media whatever it is but just try to support the people you think are doing it the right way and don't typecast everybody that everybody sucks everybody does not suck and some people are out there working really hard trying to do it the right way so if you can try to support what they're doing
1: good deal well said yeah i appreciate that well, Chris, anything else that that you want to yeah. cover with Dave? Uh, no, I think we are. I, he's been at a great spot. Yeah, I, I very gracious, Dave, that that you you spent the time Thank talking you both. with us. Uh, we very much. Yeah, we very much appreciate it. And this is this has been fun. I hope we we get to continue to have these conversations, and I'd love to bring you back on and 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 have you dissect, you know uh maybe some individual things as we're entering an election uh cycle here very soon as we're entering a lot of other things any any type of insight i can glean that sounds good thank you
3: guys appreciate the insight
1: yeah absolutely well listeners uh you have spent Way too much of your time already listening with us. We very much are <laughs> very grateful that you're here. Please go ahead and check out our sponsors, Revelton Distilling in Osceola, Iowa, and Kyle at, w- at Wintrust Mortgage. Go ahead and check out all the other content on the Three Beards media platform. We have so much great content. We have a lot of new content coming at you as well. We're continuing to, to uh, grow the amount of podcasts in our stable. Chris, do you have anything you want to say about that?
2: Yeah, the new Hawkeye Reaction Show, uh, they're going to record their first little teaser episode Thursday night at 6 p.m. live on these platforms, and then it'll be on uh, all of your podcast audio feeds as well. And then watch out for our social media. We have a new little uh, weekly video that we pulled out called the the um, Revelton Rumble, Spirited Discussions. We're going to pull some quick little snippets of each show and show you some highlights So that'll be fun, too, and another way to get our sponsor out. So thank you, guys, everybody, for listening and for tuning in.
1: Well, we appreciate it, listeners. And with that, we will see you guys next time.